When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Conspiranormal. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Conspiranormal. Myself and Turfiel are here, and uh, we've got one of our favorite guests on the line. Um, been on this show, I think this is probably like the 15th or 16th time. I was thinking that, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. But we've got Aaron Gullius. Uh, Aaron is a uh, historian, um, written tons of books about conspiracy theories and about um, UFOs, and is also the the host of the excellent Saucer Live podcast, which I am getting caught up again with. And uh, we're going to do a little Patreon here later on about uh, the Saucer Life and some of the stuff he's been talking about that. But tonight we're going to talk about his new book, Conspiracy and Triumph. And Surfiel and I have both read this, and it is an excellent book. And we're going to focus, I think, tonight not so much on the QAnon stuff, because we've talked so much about that. We, we might talk a little bit talk a little bit about it, but I really want to focus on the Nasara and the UFO disclosure stuff. But um, but you couldn't have avoided it, and you put it in really good context. Right, right. Yeah. Um, hopefully not jumping the gun, but one of the frustrating things about writing the book was that when I pitched it, QAnon was, gosh, it was, I mean, it was still on 4chan at that point. It was mm-hmm. early days. Nobody knew about it. By the time I got around to writing the QAnon section, it was, I think I was working on it on January 6th last year. So I'm I'm sitting there scrolling through, um, oh, what was the the one that went away? um, The social media site that got parlor. I was was scrolling through parlor and then parlor died. And then I was (laughs) following um, Lynn Wood on Telegram and and sort of screen tapping stuff as quick as i could and and just getting more and more depressed. yeah i saw all those those references and i was like man where where's he getting all this stuff is he really doing the dirty work i was i was writing it as, as it was happening and it uh oh uh, and yeah i was be months to finally delete telegram off my phone because I was just sort of compulsively seeing what Lynn Wood was saying every day, and oh, no. it, it started to rot my brain. Uh, and so I had to, I had to get out of there. I was trolling my neighbor a little bit on Parlor, and I got to say, is it that was a dark place? It really was. Um, it, it yeah, it, it's. I mean, not quite 4chan dark, but um, actually, actually, it was worse because because Parlor, you had like the the really deep, dark, nasty stuff. And then someone's aunt. Yeah. 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 I was going to say random boomers from yeah. book, you know, who thought that 
it was finally the only place that could finally be free. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, wild, wild, ridiculous stuff. Yeah, and we should point out here, Aaron, that you do all the dirty work that nobody else is willing to do by reading all this stuff, and not not only in this field of like what we're going to talk about the book, but also these ridiculous uh, alien contact ebooks that you read as well. No, no one, no one goes as deep as you do, so we don't have to. And we really, we really appreciate that. It might have taken year, it may have taken years off your life, but we appreciate you for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely certain it did. It, it, it's, yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm aged beyond my years at this point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm 19 years old, guys, and you know, it, it's, it's just aged me incredibly. Do you ever have to like leave the, put down the conspiracy stuff and go visit the, the Space Brothers for a little bit just to kind of even things out? <laughs> yeah, I, I have to, and. Until the Space Brothers start talking, start pulling so, out anti-Semitic tropes. And yeah, you're like, Space oh, Brothers, no. Nazis too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was, um, I was, I can't remember who I was telling the other day, but uh, my my new podcast I started with my friend Samantha, uh, Great Lakes Lore, which is more just weird history and more general paranoia, paranoia, paranormal stuff here in in the region. Um, it's just so refreshing to have no political stuff, really, no flying saucers really until we do a flying saucer episode but um yeah it's it's a night it's nice to have other outlets because this stuff man gets old and it and in all seriousness it gets pretty dark too it does it does so let's start out by talking about like um what made you want to write this book in particular how you got interested in this subject and what the concept of a triumphalist conspiracy theory is okay so i guess the the origins of it this sounds really really lame but the origins of it were when i was in north carolina a few years ago i stopped in at uh, my publisher mcfarland for lunch and they took me out to lunch and they said we'd love for you to write another conspiracy theory book and i was like (laughs) no (laughs) and um but that they bought me beer and they bought me sandwiches. And I said, Oh, okay. I will, I will go think about how to do this and not have it just be more conspiracy theories. Like, like, you know, the previous conspiracy theory book, I didn't want to do like a, you know, here's all the ones I didn't cover. Um, So I, I I went away and I thought about it for a a few months. And then I I was, I was looking at some Nassara stuff because, because Nassara had always fascinated me. And um, I started noticing just, wow, Nassara, there's, there's this overlap sometimes between Nassara and some of the UFO, some of the really, really fringe UFO disclosure people. So that's, that's kind of interesting. And then I sort of, I don't know, I just sort of realized one day that this is sort of the opposite ending to all these narratives. It's the opposite of the traditional especially right-wing conspiracy theory of of all of all of us right-thinking patriots are going to get you know trucked to the fema camp right you know that that's our our ultimate fate instead it's it's more of a there's going to be a there's going to be a conspiracy rapture and you know the the good guys are going to win and and the 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 new millennium is going to come and and it's going to be an era of peace and prosperity for for everybody who 
well, actually for everybody, but those of us who are on the right side of it, who, who are predicting it now are going to be the ones who, um, who are basically able to say, I told you so that, that that's sort of like, yeah. well, what's your reward when all of this happens? Well, everybody who shunned me will know I was right. Um, finally, my kids will talk to me again because they'll see I was right about Nasara <laughs> wiping out all my credit card. Debt. You know, so it, it's, it was sort of, sort of that, that, that idea that, that hey, there's these positive conspiracy theories out there. And then so it sort of started to break it down to, okay, we've got UFO disclosure and we've got um, Nasara, and then there's this QAnon thing happening, and that seems to have a lot of similarities in that it's this constant. Well, well, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It, it's it's always, it's always just around the corner. And initially, um, initially there was a fourth sort of equally sort of robust section on. Um, sovereign citizen movement and sovereign citizen legal theory. And in the end, <laughs> I, I just legal theory in, in massive sarcasm quotes, um, because it, it also is and in the end, it didn't really, it didn't really fit um, because there's, I couldn't really find a conspiracy theory out there other than, you know, the lawyers don't want you to know about this one trick, you know, that'll mm -hmm. you know, make it so you don't need a driver's license or whatever. Um, but, the thing is, a lot of sovereign citizen ideas informed these other ones. So I, I had to yeah. deal with it. A, a, I had to sort of introduce the con, the basic concepts. But and, and that was that was one of the the sort of really the only structural problem, biggest structural problem I had with it was was suddenly sovereign citizens aren't another chapter. It, it's um, yeah. So it was it was sort of it came from from all those areas uh, wanting to do a conspiracy theory book that wasn't about traditional conspiracy theories or, or didn't look at conspiracy theories in a, uh, in a completely traditional way. And, um, and, and it let me talk about some UFO stuff and it let me talk about Sherry Schreiner a little bit. And uh, I finally had a place to put information that was in my head from when I would commute and listen to the prophecy club radio show oh, no. because, Oh man, those people, Wow. Um, so it just sort of, sort of you know, it, it's sort of like I had this idea about the, the sort of triumphalist conspiracy theories. But then also I had, like I said, all this stuff in my head. I, I had a bunch of Sherry Shriner knowledge in my head. I had a bunch of Prophecy Club knowledge in my head. I had a bunch of sovereign citizen knowledge in my head. So it's like it's really a way to to sort of find an excuse to have to know that stuff it's like mm -hmm. okay i know this stuff i gotta do something with it because otherwise i've, I've really wasted my time <laughs> so uh, if i can if i can put this in, in the book somewhere that would be uh that would be good but uh, that that's sort of sort of the origins of it and, and and sort of what i mean by by triumphalist conspiracy theories yeah and opposed to the the usual apocalypticism that you talked about that people associate with conspiracy theories it seems like these triumphalist ones have uh a lot more utility for motivating people and running cons pretty much because there's things to get out of it. It's not just all doom and gloom. Um, you know, if you learn the secrets and pay whoever you've got to pay to, to learn the secrets, you there's real benefits, perceived benefits. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's going to be, there's, 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 there's something in it for you rather than, 
then, hey, maybe if you join with us, you'll be one of the few, you know, fighting a guerrilla war against the New World Order <laughs> in some forest somewhere. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> right. But, um, but if, if you're going to be one of the one of the few who were smart enough to to know what's going to happen, you can you can benefit from it in some way. Yeah. And the sovereign citizen stuff, I mean, is it is it true that it it's kind of waned? And is is that really like a early '90s kind of thing when it hit its peak? It, it it hit a peak in in the '90s, and then it sort of went away. And then it sort of the internet sort of brought about a resurgence because you have a whole generation of people who who didn't know about this stuff from back in the '80s and and the '90s because uh, it sort of got its start in the the '60s and '70s out west and. It's it's a weird sort of uh, it's a weird sort of history that mm-hmm. that involves you know the farm protests and the the I think the prairie fire movement um, out in the uh, out in the plain states it's it's a radicalized version of basically the political movement that swept re- Republicans into office across the plain states and the West out into California and so um, more modern sort of iterations of this the the thing with the Bundys out yeah. um, out west the, the Bundy thing that's very much you know why can't we graze on public land you know without paying fees you know we've got these theories about things that, that's very much related to um to some of the earlier sovereign citizen stuff and it's I mean if you go on YouTube there's lots of fun videos of people you know claiming that they, that they are not that they are traveling, they are not driving, so they do not need a driver's <laughs> license because driving is commercial, and I'm not engaged in commercial business. And if I'm not engaged in the in commercial business, the government cannot regulate me in any way. Um, and um, guides published in the last 10, 15 years for for police officers and, and judges and prosecutors. Okay, this is how you deal with this because imagine you're, you know, Fred the prosecutor who gets handed this case and you've got a defendant who is defending himself or herself and they do nothing but talk about gold fringed flags and refuse to acknowledge the authority of the court and, you know, demand, you know, talk about how, you know, they, they did not receive a summons because the the name on the summons was in capital letters. And that is not (laughs) their name. That is a government created straw man. And that is not their natural person. I mean, if you're, any kind of law enforcement or judicial official, yeah, this all sounds insane. So there have had to be guidebooks published by by judicial organizations that say, okay, this this is what it is, and these are like fifteen thousand court cases you can use to throw these people out of court. So it, it's been around uh, for a while. It it it, it comes and goes. It, it waxes and wanes, but um, it's a little more. Um, it's a little quieter now. I, I think, well, it's, this has always been the, the way it is, but the, the real action in the sovereign citizen movement isn't necessarily people living on compounds out West. It's people with websites selling you yeah. $80, $80 PDFs and promising you new paperwork. So you right. don't have to pay taxes. So it, it really like they do all the work for you. They do all the work you for you. You just, you just yeah. write your name on the line and uh, take it down to the courthouse. And unless the government says that they reject it, it's completely legal. Um, mm. Just put a notice in the paper, and if nobody sends you a letter in a month, you know you've, you're a sovereign citizen or whatever. So, um, yeah, there, there's still a lot of it, uh, a lot of it going around. Yeah. One of the things that Serviel keyed me into a few years ago 
was the whole um, flying the fry, the flag of Morocco thing. That's a, that's another that's another aspect of it, but that's more like I guess you could say the African American version of the sovereign yes. citizen. The the the, yeah. the, the, the the Moorish sovereign citizens, the Moorish sovereigns, yeah. um, is is a sort of different uh, different branch. There was another sort of uh, this was another sort of African American focused one that was sort of a made up country kind of thing or or some kind of like tribe that supposedly discovered America first and had a claim on the land it's yeah i mean all this stuff just revolves around basically a way to get out of legal obligation by some kind of um arcane understanding of the law that goes back hundreds of years that if you understand it right and like you say say the magic words you like unlock this esoteric aspect to the legal system yep and and it really is and and so it it matched thematically with, with the sort of sense of, you know, there is secret knowledge and, and, you know, if you have the knowledge, you will, you will benefit from it. It it didn't fit in as well as I thought it would, but um, you know, the, the whole, you know, 14th amendment stuff about, you know, it created two classes of citizen and, 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 you know, you can reject the, the the one fake citizenship that makes you pay taxes. Yeah. It's (laughs) the thing is, it's all just so, so confusing that it yeah because it 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 reads like somebody like somebody read just enough of an old law book yeah to pretend to know to to pretend they know stuff and then wrote down what they think sounded legal ish yeah that's what i was thinking that like a lot of this stuff and then in nasara too like depends on most people not understanding legalese. Right. So when they hear someone else speak what sounds legalese-ish, they're like, oh, well, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And, and like the the citations of court cases, they, they always throw in these citations of court cases. And they they don't, I mean, you look those cases up and, and a lot of times they're not, you see a citation of a court case, your, your sort of assumption is, well, that must be the Supreme Court. And a lot of times it isn't. It's some like state mm-hmm. Supreme Court case or circuit case from like 1904. Yeah. And they pull out one little phrase that has nothing to do with the rest of the case. And, you know, say this. see, this it's, proves that, yeah. that the United States government is actually a Delaware corporation. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> it's like the King James Bible or something like because these are semi-technical languages they they need an inter- intermediary to interpret it for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, you, you know, you never you never see many people taking like the new international version out of context. Like, well, that's written in pretty plain language. <laughs> yeah, means. right. But you, you throw some these and some thous and some words nobody uses anymore in there, and you can you can pretty much get away with anything. Yeah, they need well, someone to explain it. You know, the King James version is the only one approved by the Lord Almighty Himself. It ain't King James. It ain't the Bible. Jesus but, spoke Elizabethan English. Does, doesn't yes. everybody know that? <laughs> which which brings me to a question though too before we kind of move on is about like kind of like you mentioned this a little bit but like the apocalyptic imagery and the end of days kind of imagery that is kind of imbued in some of these consp- these triumphalist conspiracy theories because it does remind you of the type of like well you know Christ is going to return and we're going to have the thousand years of peace and the, it, it's very utopian in nature 
Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And it's, it's, it's an end of the, it's how the end of the world is going to be for believers. And in, in this case, instead of believing in, in Christ as the redemptive son of God, you're believing in a law that Congress passed, but can't tell anybody about. And, you know, which is a pretty th- flimsy thing to put your faith in really. But um, yeah, it, it really does have these sort of millenarian overtones to it. Um, and, and, and always the sense of, of, you know, sort of almost, I don't know how I want to say it, almost um, arrogantly just being excited that you're on the winning side yeah. because people like you have been persecuted for so long, you know, by, by the banks and by the government and by the, by the coastal elites and you know, <laughs> whoever is, whoever's oppressing you this day. But um, yeah, absolutely. A, a, a sense of, of, sort of the happy side of the end times. Before we jump into some of these these main groups, um, I wanted to uh, mention how you talk about the changing uh, environment of the academic study of conspiracy theory, and that's been, seems like, in response to uh, Trumpism and the, the, the ascendance of conspiracy theory itself to like more of a mainstream status. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I think one of the one of the best books about it is uh, by uh, Muirhead and Rosenblum. Um, their book, a lot of people are saying about what they call the new conspiracism. I think at, at the Strange Realities Conference, I think Michael Hughes mentioned this book um, during his talk, which I, which I I found great because it's one of those books I'd never heard anybody mention. You know, I'm like, did I actually read this book? Did I dream that there was a book called this and, and that I read it? But um, yeah, so so academics studying conspiracism have moved from um, sort of being very not, well, I would say kind of dismissive of conspiracy theory as, you know, it's like, well, these are the fake things that people believe because this is their, you know, their, you know, socioeconomic or political attitude. And, and, you know, they've been led astray by, by these things. Um, But the, the Muirhead and Rosenblum book, uh, about what they call the new conspiracism is, is it's, it's basically they argue that conspiracy theory itself has changed and conspiracy culture has changed. And we've moved from what I, I sort of refer to as, as that, that sort of um, the image that's all over the internet of the guy with the the pins and the strings and the board, you know, <laughs> connecting everything up um, from that sort of thing. And um, conspiracy articles and magazines and newsletters that are that are information dense mm-hmm. that, that are just so packed full of information that that you're like I can't keep track of what's going on but I'm pretty sure this person's onto something um it, the feeling the feeling I get when I read a book by um by Ken Thomas that, you know, that, yes you know when I read a Ken Thomas book his JFK and UFO book um about the Mur- Mur- um Murray Island uh, Murray Island thing. I read that and it's just like, I, I, I need to, I need to make a chart because yeah. I can't keep any of this straight. So that kind of what at least people sort of my Gen X era age people sort of see as a hallmark of conspiracy theory that sort of goes away. Um, and the idea of, of, of proof and evidence, it takes a back seat in the new conspiracism and the, the proof of something is not you know, I've got this piece of data plugging into this piece of data, plugging into this piece of data. It's like the name of the book is a lot of people are saying 
it's repetition. It's um, sort of the the endless chorus of voices saying that Hillary is in charge of a pedophile ring in the basement of a pizza parlor or whatever. Um, and social media has helped has helped fuel this because the way the algorithms work, you see more of what you express an interest in. Mm-hmm. And so um, I saw five articles that said, yeah, X. It's all over social media that X is real. Well, it's all over your social media because you shared that one article that one time. And so it fed you more. And now you're just inundated with things. And, you know, you think it's real. I saw five stories. No, you saw the same story printed by five different websites, all of which can probably be traced back to Russia. So, you know, it, it, it's just this, it's a, it's a different thing. It's, um, I think they also argue that it's, it's inherently destabilizing. Um, it, 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 it deconstructs things. Um, older style conspiracy theories, you know, talked about, you know, returning to the constitution or, or returning to the way things were before the globalists took over. And, um, the, the new conspiracism is represented most by the QAnon type stuff is, is more nihilist. Um, you know, what is our ideology? There is no fundamental ideology in some of mm-hmm. these things. It's not, you can't go back and say, well, it's, it's a very hardcore sort of strict construction of the constitution sort of thing. Um, like a lot of right-wing conspiracies were back in the day. It, it's just, you know, it's, it's anti things rather than, pro things if that makes sense um so it, it is it is different and and scholars have started looking at this i think the the Muirhead and rosenblum book is good um i think uh anna merlin's republic of lies is a really good sort of journalistic on the ground exploration of of what these people are are sort of thinking and what their thought process is as they get involved with these things and it, it features sean david morton be, before he went to prison um so so that was uh if anybody out there knows sean david morton or remembers him and his predictions from the art bell show it's oh yeah stuff. so oh oh just just fun um so yeah the uh the sort of scholarly uh framework surrounding this has been uh, has been changing a bit over the last eh, five years. <laughs> yeah, just just from like uh, reading a few articles, like my academia.edu notifications on like papers about conspiracy theory are just like day in and day out, just like popping up. It's it's pretty crazy. But all these people who would you know we would think of as somewhat outsiders to the culture are just echoing the same things that pretty much all the insiders insider veterans have been saying for the last few years there's there's um there's a lot of that there is um one other difference in in conspiracy culture is is that there's there's bigger money behind it than ever before and and that's something that is you know costs money to to do some of the to have some of the outlets that the big conspiracy voices have and they're they're making a lot of money selling stuff and we are a long way from bill cooper's shortwave program or mm-hmm. um whatever conspiracy show the local patriot group had on your cable access station back in the 80s and 90s um it, it's 
that's that's a difference and and like i said social media has has changed the way people interact with information and how information spreads so you get you get your aunt on facebook saying things and talking about topics that like a few weirdos would talk about years and years ago and you know your parents generation wouldn't have any idea what this stuff was but now you're you're running into people who have been, you know, pretty vanilla people their whole lives and suddenly talking about how, I don't know, how, how gold is the only real currency. It's like, wait, wait, Uncle Bill? What? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you heard our episode uh, that we did at the end of the year with Dr. Future, but he talked about, and he lives very close to us here, and he talked about, encountering this pastor and his wife at a Mexican restaurant close to where we live and asked them what's on their mind. And they basically just started talking about the kids in the dungeons and basically the QAnon stuff. And, you know, these are just normal, you would say just normal people. Just grocery line conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I mean, and um, you know, I see people that, that I grew up with and we're, we're just like, sort of still friends with them, sometimes related to them. And, you know, growing up, they never had a political bone in their body except being vaguely unhappy about taxes and and thinking that whoever was in charge probably wasn't doing a great job. And then suddenly they're sharing a YouTube video about the whole Wayfair conspiracy theory that, yeah. you know, when you order something from Wayfair, you know, nobody knows that stuff can't cost that much and all their products are kids' names. And, and this person was like, I, you know, I don't know if I believe it, but I think we should probably give this some serious thought, you know, because it, 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 it seems plausible. I think that's that insinuation you're talking about instead yeah. of like a, yeah. It's like, you know what, this could be some, this sounds like something that could be true. And then, you know, since you have actual human trafficking being, you know, a serious issue, it's easy for, for groups to glom onto that. And if you say, I don't think there's kids in dungeons and tunnels under Central Park. So you're saying you're saying human trafficking isn't a thing then. It's like, no, I'm not saying a thing. We've got this sort of sort of sort Well, of- yeah, and it makes it hard to not come across as like as an apologist for like terrible things. And so you you just shut up and don't say anything because you don't want to like look like you're trying to defend something like that yeah he's like no i'm talking about the nuance of the rhetoric surrounding human trafficking at that point nobody's paying any attention. yeah it's already um yeah so it's like yeah yeah it's a real problem and then just change the subject to football or something i don't know it's yeah it's it's a weird world and it's hard to even tell people you're interested in conspiracy theories anymore because right. suddenly you're one of those people um, right or you're you're oh so you think it's all conspiracy theories and it's like yeah you, you can't win so i just say i like flying saucers it's it's probably easier it's more, more neutral social, more neutral yeah, yeah. It, it's not going yeah everything is it's one of the just wait things, just wait i know oh i know, I know. <laughs> it, it's it's gonna be uh it's it's gonna be the next the next thing to get politicized to the point where people can't have a conversation about it. Well, you know, like we'll, we'll get to this, but Michael Sala is going to have his way. So, well, let's Aaron, let's get into Nasara. Uh, and this is something that until you had mentioned it on this podcast and that you actually presented about it at our 
online only 2020 Strange Realities conference. Little plug there. Uh, I had never heard of this. I had no idea what Nasara was. I guess that I just I just missed the memo on on this one. So what is Nasara? And the origins and what it's supposed to accomplish. Okay. So actually I was thinking about this. I was trying to remember where I first heard about Nasara and I can't remember ever actually learning about it. It's just like, I always sort of knew it was there. I don't know where I first found it, but Nasara is an acronym for one of two things. The acronym changes depending on who you're oh, talking to, which, 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 right? It's like one of the, one of the, one of the hallmarks of a real, of a real piece of legislation is that it, nobody knows its name, right? So uh, NASARA stands for the National Economic Stabilization and Recovery Act, or the National Economic Sta- uh, Security and Reformation Act. So this is supposedly that supposedly a law that Congress passed in the mid '90s, and that uh, President Bill Clinton signed into law because a bunch of Navy SEALs forced him to, um, but then was instantly suppressed and the Supreme Court placed it under a gag order. Thank God for those Navy SEALs. I you know, they're, they're, they're the real heroes. Looking out for, for America. That's right. That's right. Pointing. Is that what they say? Do they actually point guns at him? Were they like, just like. I think that it, the threat was implied, I think. Although okay, okay. The, the Navy SEALs don't need guns to to kill bill clinton mm-hmm. um, they could have done it with their bare hands that's what you yeah rolled up newspaper that's <laughs> right 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 which still existed in 1994 so the um or, yeah 1993 1994 something like that um so the idea behind this law and and the, the list of things it would do would 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 grow over the years but what nasara was supposed to do was to do a number of things. It would initiate peace immediately. So all wars would end. It would restore constitutional law in America, which is a vague as hell statement, right? It would remove every government official from their positions because they had all been unconstitutional. Um, And so there would be a new start, a new government elected. Um, so they, uh, Nassara would abolish states of emergency and declare peace and the wars in, um, depending on when, what version of generally Iraq and Afghanistan, that's the, generally the wars it's talking about wars in Iraq and Afghanistan would end immediately. Um, because there had been 90 years of government and banking fraud, Nassara would zero out everybody's credit card balances and all their debts would be erased. Not bad, right? Um, there would be a new monetary system. Uh, the Federal Reserve would be abolished, so Ron Paul would be happy. Uh, and it would abolish income taxes in the U.S. and create a national sales tax on new non-essential items. So basically, um, it's a law that would make everything better economically and politically. And where it got its start, its its origins are are weird because Nasara started off as a sort of thought experiment by a, an economist named Harvey Bernard, and Harvey wrote about um, 
about Nasara, and, and basically it was a, a system of, of tax reform and tax and monetary reform. It did not promise to do any of the things. It was not a law. It was a proposal. Um, he had it published as a book and he sent it to members of Congress. It was it was a thought experiment. He um, he actually set up a separate website uh, to sort of compete against the Nasara website to say, I have nothing to do with Nasara. This is what Nasara really was. So it was one of those early, um, he snagged the .com <laughs> before the Nasara people did. Um, so that that's what it is. And how it gets to this how it sort of reaches into the consciousness is a is a complicated uh, complicated story, and it goes back to the 1990s and a guy named Clyde Hood in Mattoon, Illinois. But he's no relation to the Mattoon Gasser, um, the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Thanks for clearing that up. Just want to make sure yes, nobody yes. nobody's saying Clyde Hood is uh, is is the Mad Gasser <laughs> of Mattoon. Um, but he started an investment scheme called the Omega Trust. In um in the nineteen uh, in the ni- in the nineteen nineties, and and basically he go around giving lectures claiming to be an international trader that can provide you yes you insanely huge returns on your investments and he wanted to use his position um, well he received a message from God that he was to use his position as an international trader to help all the little people you know get out of debt and um and and you know invest in his business. So you would give Hood a hundred bucks and you would get a 50 to one return on your money after 275 days. And at that point, you can either cash out like a sucker, or you can let it ride for another 275 days for another 50 to one payout. Sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Yes. In, in, there were investors from every state in the country, China, and Australia. Hood and his co-conspirators brought in about $12 million from this, which is just, which is just insane. Um, and, and then they said, after 1995, um, we will have no more Omega investors. And they probably did one last round of get your money in for this last round of investing. So they closed off that one. And then he started up other, other programs and started employing his big investors as sort of the spokespeople for these new programs. Like I I've invested in Omega trust and you can't, but you can, you know, you can get in on, uh, on these other things. Um, after a while, people started to wonder where the money was. And, and he was you know constantly saying, look, the money is coming. However, you know, the government changed some rules. And so we can't get the money out right now. Um, but, you know, keep, keep waiting. And um, by 1999, the feds were on to him. Um, in 2000, he was in, he and his co-conspirators were indicted on um, money laundering and fraud and, and filing false tax returns. Uh, pled guilty, went to um, federal prison. He died in prison in 2012 at the age of 78. And the way this connects to Nassara is that one of his one of his investors was a woman named um, Shaney Goodwin out in Washington, uh, Washington state. And she called herself dove of oneness, which is dumb. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I guess I'm in a bad mood. That's dumb. Um, but uh, she, she sort of took over cheerleading for the Omega trust thing while Clyde was, was, was in jail or 
you know, uh, during his trial. And uh, she was sending out messages saying, um, saying, you know, there, there's there, there, the case against Clyde hat doesn't have any credibility. He's going to be acquitted soon. Stay away from any website that has information on the case because it's government propaganda. And if you and you'll be tracked if you go to that website. So if you don't look at the newspapers about this case because they're using that to trap you and they're going to arrest you. Um, so she, she starts perfect. She starts perfect. It, it is. Perfect. She starts pioneering these techniques that will be used in the future. Um, she, she has, she has high sources in the court system, um, high sources in the government, publicly documented events. Those aren't real. That's fake news. They are staged to make it look like something's going on. Um, don't listen to anybody who's telling you anything different because they are out to get you. And in 2001, she transitions to talking about Nasara. Um, sort of, she she takes Harvey Bernard's thing and sort of slices and dices it and comes up with that list of things that's going to happen that we talked about earlier. And she starts getting donations from people um, and does pretty well off them. Um, she connects it to a lot of um, a lot of sovereign citizen stuff that happened in the 1980s, the so-called farm claims cases that uh, that were basically started off as as legit court claims against the farm oh the i want to say farm bureau but that's an insurance company uh They're like banks right state banks or? Sta- yeah yeah f- um federally backed banks uh rural investment bank sorts of things and there was there was a, a scammer named roy schwasinger who was involved in this and and goodwin sort of repaints schwasinger as this this hero who was able to to prove the truth about the government being corrupt and and get nasara passed before he before he went to prison um which was totally bogus right he shouldn't have gone to prison they put him in prison to shut him up and, and we, we get all of these reasons why the law was never passed um it, it turns out that that the United States was taken to court at the World Court, and the World Court says you have to implement the Nassara Law. And Bill Clinton said no, and then the Navy SEALs show up, and then um, it's it's scheduled to go into effect on September September eleventh, two thousand one. But George Bush destroyed the World Trade Center. With depending on who you talk to, orbital lasers or moon-based lasers, in order to not only to erase financial records that would have proved the existence of Nasara and the preparation to, or I get there's different stories, but I think one of the stories is that one of the computers in the World Trade Center was the key computer that would have to be switched on to initiate the financial transformation. So the World Trade Center was destroyed to prevent uh, to prevent Nasara from taking place and people just run with it. She sends out daily email updates. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, didn't happen. Um, that's because this court in this one place has put a, has, has made this ruling, but everybody involved has a gag order and they can't talk about it. They talk about it. They go to prison. That's why if you ask any judge about Nassara, they will deny it. If you ask your congressman about Nassara, they will deny it. If you know somebody said, well, why don't they ask the president at a press conference? Well, by law, he has to deny it because there's a gag order. But that doesn't mean that people aren't working behind the scenes. And so she keeps this going, bringing in loads of donations to, to honestly, to support her mission in spreading the Nasara message. That's she, she never really 
it's a question about whether she actually defrauds anybody because they're a, a, mm-hmm. a lot of times they weren't paying for anything other than her information about Nasara. Well, and her audience, like, is the original audience of the people who were victims of this Ponzi scheme. It eclipses that, and then she's just promoting Nasara itself. And they they tie it, and she ties it into it by saying, by saying, when Nasara is passed, all of the Omega funds will be released. Yeah, because the government's holding the Omega funds because they're evil. But once this is fully implemented, all that money you've invested will come back. So it's, you know, sort of the sunk cost fallacy, you know, I, you know, I've, I'm this much, I'm this far in, I've got to, I've got to yeah. keep, uh, got to keep going with this. And, and she brings in paranormal stuff. She, uh, one of the, the message, one of the people in charge of, of this is, uh, one of the good guys is St. Germain. The, uh, the- <laughs> hey, he's back. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's everywhere, man. Um, he is, uh, you know, the immortal Frenchman who uh, who's been around since the dawn of time and or 1712, um, who absolutely did not die in 1784. He was an Atlantean. He was an Atlantean. Um, he, uh, he was ageless. Um, he- I want to jump in just real quick on that, uh, the St. Germain stuff, because that comes up time and time again and when i read that in your book i was just like surprised but not because like you know the saint germain stuff that pops up i mean she had had to have some kind of exposure to the im movement yes i i I, either that or as many places as saint germain has popped up i think she probably could have gotten a brain full of saint germain maybe without actually being aware of the origins of the whole thing. Her name is Dove of Oneness, so I'm sure there's some New Age garbage going on. If you read more than like three New Age books, I mean, I don't even know what kind of... You walk walk into a New Age bookstore, pick any three random books off the shelf. St. Germain is somewhere. Two of them will mention St. Germain, right? So I I think that um, I think that's probably if she wasn't, you know, in the loop on Ballard, um, she was just deep into the new age culture enough that uh, it, that it sort of sunk in. It may have come from Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Ah, that's my thought on that because in the seventies and in the eighties, I mean Elizabeth Clare Prophet, she grew out of the I am right movement. She took the classes and all that, and then she and her husband started this whole other group that also extolled St. Germain. So there is a In Search Of episode from the 70s that is about St. Germain, and Elizabeth Clare Prophet is interviewed in the St. Germain. What's inter- in that episode, but what's also interesting about Elizabeth Clare Prophet, to kind of tie this into QAnon, is General Flynn, Michael Flynn, at one of these QAnon meetings did this prayer seven rays that was verbatim from something Elizabeth Clare prophet had prayed in the 1980s. Yes. That, that was wild when that happened. That, that yeah. was, I, I mean, that, that was, I mean, yeah, <laughs> for, for, for so many different reasons. So, so strange that, and, and somewhat sinister and somewhat telling that, that, you know, there's, the, the the new age conspiracy and it's like boy people think would be in on that not necessarily michael i love jesus flynn yeah and and saint germain as by elizabeth here prophets 
group, her cult, whatever. When she's interviewed in that In Search of episode, she talks about St. Germain being this source of human freedom and all these type of very, very kind of right-wing ideas. And I, th- I really think that this lady, she may have gotten this from Elizabeth Clare Prophet. That would be, that would be a, that makes sense to me. That, that really does. That really does make sense. Um, yeah. So the thing about Shaney Goodwin is she's dead. I meant to say that in a more graceful way, but <laughs> <laughs> she dies. And um, if, uh, and, and Nasara keeps going even without dove of oneness because other copycat doves of oneness. They didn't call themselves that, but I sort of do. Um, they pop up and suddenly there's no longer one unitary voice sort of proclaiming the gospel of Nasara. And so it splinters into a billion different, different strands. Um, but the, the message among all these people is, is, is very similar. And, and one of the, the splinters I, I look at, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is um, a guy named David Robinson, who uh, I think he's out of prison. He might be dead. He went to prison for fraud. Um, imagine, imagine that. I mean, it just <laughs> he was uh, involved in the sovereign citizen movement. Published the uh, the main free. He was part of the the main free republic mm. up in unsurprisingly Maine, and um, so he was he was selling you know stuff to to you know, people. And he gets in on the Nasara stuff and he starts linking it to the secret 14th amendment and things like that. And he talks about clones. Uh, there was a clone Janet Reno. There was a, a clone treasury secretary, Robert Rubin. And it's, it's, um, I, I I'm glad there was because it allowed me to talk, spend a paragraph talking about Dr. Peter Beter from the 1970s uh, organic robotoids. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the moon stuff, whether or not that, those were released from the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds. I want to say Rockefellers just cause I don't know. Peter beater and the rock Rockefeller and Rothschild space battles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that was, it, it's weird how, how it all comes in is battle of the harvest moon and, and things like that. Um, I need to, uh, I need to do a collected edition of Peter beaters writings. Annotated, the, the annotated um, I don't know Robert Guffey might beat you to it I don't know. <laughs> shoot so so 
David Robinson brings in um, brings in a lot of sovereign citizen stuff into this, and he expands the list of things Nasara does to like twenty things. It, it's it's crazy. He adds things like uh, reinstates the original titles of nobility amendment, which is which is a sovereign citizen thing. Basically, there was a, a, an amendment that was never ratified um, that would uh, basically. Um, de-citizenize any American who had a title of nobility. And it was never ratified, but they thought it was going to be ratified. This is like an 1801 or something. And so there were copies of the constitution printed up, not by the government, but just people who printed them up um, that included it. And uh, it was never ratified, but it, it, sovereign citizens claim this is a, you know, it's a cover up that it really was properly, uh, properly ratified. And, and the reason they they hang on to this is because they say, well, if you look at a lawyer's stationery, what does it say? Peter Esquire. Peter Esquire. Esquire is a title of nobility. Therefore, no lawyers are lawfully citizens of the United States. Oh. No judges are lawfully citizens of the United States. So, which, which is. um so it it does that um and and does other things that like increases benefits for senior citizens hey there you go they'll vote for that i think he's just pandering at this point Mm -hmm. Uh, monitors elections and prevents illegal election activities of special interest groups um you know Releases enormous sums of money for humanitarian purposes, enables the release of 6,000 patents of suppressed technologies being withheld from the public, um, free energy, anti-gravity, sonic healing machines. So it just expands it to do all of these other things that, that actually tie into things like the UFO disclosure movement, you know, that, that you know, the, the secret government is, is holding all of these alien based technologies that would make our lives better here. It's, it's just, I guess they're just being kept secret because- the government's mean or something, but um, yeah. So Nasara sort of splinters into a billion pieces. There's a, a version of it called Gesara uh, for global economic blah, oh, yeah. blah, blah, instead of national. Um, this concept called quantum finance or something like that is brought into it. Um, that that's like, this is a, a new money system that, you know, is, you know, transcends reality in some ways. And of course, then you get cryptocurrency people running scams. Uh, not that cryptocurrency is a, is a, is a scam. I mean, I've got my Bitcoin, right. But, um, I've got like $10, but, uh, someday that $10 is going to be 15. <laughs> then, then, then I'm retiring. So it, it just splinters into, to all these different places. And, you start to see some overlap between Nasara and the UFO disclosure crowd um, because you have some Nasara sites saying, and Nasara will require the government to disclose what they know about the UFO, about UFOs and alien contact. So it just gets, and some Nasara interpretations, UFO disclosure gets added to the list of things that will happen once this law is acknowledged. And there's always on podcasts and YouTube videos, there's also, there's always people saying, you know, it's just around the corner or it's happened. And the, the mainstream press just hasn't released it yet. I, um, I saw one the other day, I think Jack Brewer sent me a link to some, some YouTube video the other day of some guy who claimed on his podcast or his YouTube show that, um, that Russia had in quotes, privately 
instituted Nasara. And so, or Gasara, and and so it was coming very soon because Putin had privately declared that it was it was now in effect. Uh, my life hasn't changed much in the last few days since that happened, but um, I, 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 my car payment still came out of the bank this morning. Um, so apparently, it hasn't fully become real, but it's still going. Um, Twenty years later, uh, and if people are interested in this, apart from buying my book, they can also um, there's a a documentary out there from 2010 or so called Waiting for Nasara. And it's it's pretty well done. It talks to some everyday people who um who are in so deep they you know they, they don't care how much credit card debt they're racking up. They don't they don't care if they're behind on their mortgage because any day now, you know, yeah, they're gonna lose their house, but they're gonna Nasara, you know, we won't lose our house. Nasara will will keep us from losing our house. I don't think it's uh, streaming anywhere for free. I I can't remember. There's some um, streaming service that has one of those five dollar a month ones that's like the all documentary streaming service or something has it. But waiting for Nasara is uh, is worth checking out. And you make a point in the book too, Aaron, that it has really combined with QAnon now too, that there's yeah. a lot of people in the Q sphere that uh, have uh, are advocates for Nasara as well. Yeah, it's it's another one of those things that the deep state is, is covering up. And uh, there were all sorts of predictions that Trump is finally going to be the president to institute Nasara. And when he wasn't able to, it was obviously the deep state and or he has something even better coming um yeah i, I think recent not recently but a couple of years ago the uh the q anonymous podcast did an episode um about nasara that was that was actually hilarious but um because it, it sort of went into some of these message boards and, and some of the conversations people are having where you know people start to think well gosh maybe maybe there really isn't anything to this and and it's like a like a bucket of crabs dragging down the one that's trying to get out you know it's just <laughs> just piling on and saying no 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 you know, you know, you know, have faith because that's what legislation is based on faith yeah. right um that it, it's it's got these very religious aspects to it um not necessarily in content but in in the fact that it is it is literally faith-based politics you know mm-hmm. you know what are, what's your political position i believe there's a law that's been passed that hasn't been implemented and when the, that law is passed our all of our economic problems will be over it's not really is it i wonder if it's kind of a, a reflection of just um people's hopelessness for real change and you know their their lack of um, ability they feel to make any real change or especially economic things. And at this point, you know, just like with the people not understanding the legal system and using and the sovereign citizen type of stuff, this is uh, people not understanding government or economics. And yeah, I, I think that um, if, if Dove of Oneness had, had tried to sell this um, either a year before or 10 years after she did, I don't think it would have flown, but, but doing this in the depths of the post nine 11 recession was smart. And then it kept going into the housing crisis and the automotive company bailout, sort of the, the 2008 meltdown. And she died shortly after that. But, but you had this time of, of 
a deep economic uncertainty there in that first decade of the 21st century. And I, I, I think, I think you're right, Sergio. I, I think it, it really does reflect the sense that, that there are, there are powers manipulating the economy in ways that are not to our advantage. And there is nothing mm-hmm. we can do about, about it. And ho- thankfully the white hats, the good guys, there's gotta be somebody to come rescue us. And yeah, you know, people want, people want somebody to, uh, to, to rescue them. They get tired of trying to figure out a way to cope in a system that seems perpetually rigged against them. Um, so that they, they want somebody to, to rig it the other way or, or undo the rigging or, or, or fix these things. Well, that whole idea of these, these white hats or white knights and this like, you know, we'd see that carried over, especially into Trumpism and the this idea of like this government in exile yeah. that is like waiting to take over. Yeah, and they're, like, they're there. The shadow government is there doing the right thing. And, and, you know, you just have to have faith because they're putting the pieces in place there. They are there. I mean, this wasn't a phrase when, when Dove of Oneness was doing Nasara, but the whole they're playing 12 dimensional chess man they're just (laughs) so far ahead of everybody that you know it may look like it's the opposite but it's not that's just the cover it's so crazy and that's something that is so much different than any period of conspiracism we've seen before like absolutely absolutely um it's yeah i mean older conspiracy theories it's like you could have like misreadings of legislation and, and misreadings of what, what people said and sort of willful misreadings is like, well, what he really meant was, mm-hmm. was this, but this whole, like everything you see is a complete fabrication and the opposite is happening underneath and it's going to be good for us. And it's, it is, it is very different and it's, it's honestly taken a lot of fun out of it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it it's just like, the, it's, this sounds dismissive and it sounds snobbish, but I'm going to say it. It's just so dumb. Yeah, it is. I I can't intellectually engage with the ideas in a fun way. Um, I could do that with Bill Cooper. I could do that with, um, with any number of JFK assassination conspiracies. Now, what do we have? JFK Jr. is alive and he's going to come back and he's going to save everybody. Well, well, why do you think that well, this one guy looks like JFK Jr.? It's like, what, 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 yeah. what does that even mean? Right. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's everything has it's the idiocracy version of conspiracy culture. Yeah, it's dumbed down. Yeah, it, it really is. And I sound like an old man because I, I am. A, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. But, you know, can I just have a good old fashioned conspiracy book that isn't a collection of web sites that has been turned into a Kindle book. Um, when I was working on the, the QAnon stuff uh, back before uh, Amazon had its massive purge of QAnon related materials, I, I got a couple QAnon books with, you know, this one has an essay by Joe M and this one has something by red pill, the world. And what it is, is it's like half the book was a transcript of a YouTube video. I was like, why do they cite just YouTube at the end? And I went, it's like, <laughs> oh my God, it's the text of the book. It's a fucking YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> the hell did I pay $10 for? Scholarship. It's it's just, it's just ridiculous. And what's great is um, after, um, after Amazon purged QAnon stuff from all of their 
merchandise and books, the person reprinted one of these books and just like changed QAnon or Q to just the plan. And so everything else was the same. They just get around the algorithm. It's like Bill Cooper's version of a, of protocols. (laughs) So replace it with the Illuminati. I mean, replace, replace Jews with Illuminati and spell Zion with yeah. an X. And, yeah. and, and, and we're all set. He doesn't do that himself. He tells you to do that at the very beginning. <laughs> right. Yeah. In order in order to keep the... Whenever you see those... You, you, well, a couple of things I wanted to point out uh, about... Specifically about Nasara is that there's a very much like a year of Jubilee aspect to this, like from the Bible. You know, it's supposed to be every seven... I think every seven seven years, so every forty nine years, there's a forgiveness of debts and these type mm-hmm. of things. But then also, there's and the UFO disclosure movement is going to do this too. There's using September 11th in that tragedy to their advantage. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and and in a, in a way that is that that is that is deeply cynical in a, in a way that like most 9-11 conspiracy theories aren't most 9-11 conspiracy theories have been you know th- this was a nefarious act in order to you know foment war in the middle east or p- to provide an excuse to to go into afghanistan or whatever um but but these pre-existing conspiracy theories like like nasara and like like disclosure it's just such a i, I think i i think i talk about yeah i, th- I think i talk about i think I don't even know what I talk about in the book anymore. Um, but uh, uh, Greer, Stephen Greer's um, 9-11 thing, like if only the government had, it was it was like just, it wasn't like they did 9-11 to cover up the UFOs. It, it was even more irritating. It was if the government had allowed like the CIA and, and you know, other if, if alien technology had been widely available, we could have prevented September 11th. And it's like, so it's the fault of those who did not release the, you know, because we would have had, you know, particle beam weapons that could have vaporized the plane before it hit the towers, could have sensed these things. It, it, it's just. What an asshole. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand that guy. Um, he, oh, oh, yeah. That's the thing. I absolutely nobody in this book. I have any sort of affection for it's like all of these people. It's just like, I hate all these people. I, I, I really just dislike every, <laughs> except, except for Peter beater. I, I dislike everybody involved. And in like Peter beater is kind of tragic. I mean, in a way he really, but he really is. Um, he was, he, he, he was not a well man. Um, but you know, in, in my other conspiracy theory book or the, the UFO books. I mean, Bill Cooper is, is fascinating. especially if you read um, the Mark Jacobson biography that came out, you know, he, he's got some tragic elements to mm-hmm. him as well. Um, he's just a deeply flawed and deeply wrong person, but he's interesting and, and entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all the JFK stuff, that's just so sort of, sort of nerdy and and Mm -hmm. sort of you just want to just want to give give the person a hug and say look do do you just want to have a milkshake or something just just relax you know you you just like oh you know bless their heart you know but but this stuff these these the the, the combination of dumbness and cynicism that that just 
floods through this. And, and the fact that, that it's, it's all a grift. Yeah. Um, it, it's not, uh, yeah, it's, it's just so. Cause it's harder to do that with the apocalyptic stuff. Exactly. Exactly. What, what, what are you selling? Starving to death? You know, the, the best you're going to do is hopefully make a profit on the canned food you're trying to sell. Yeah. Or get people to invest in gold, but that's about it. Yeah. It, it, it's so, so this is, yeah, this is, this is pretty, pretty weird, but, um, and, and, and pretty annoying. Um, but, but one of the things I found interesting about Nasara is, is that you know, I said it sort of splinters into multiple areas. Um, there's also people who completely misunderstand what Nasara is, um, which is hilarious. And Sherry Schreiner was one of those people who was like, Nasara's bad. Nasara, mm. well, she didn't, she didn't misunderstand it. She sort of took the view that, that Nasara was um, a demonic new age sort of cult thing. It's the financial system of the new world order uh, because mm. St. Saint, Saint Germain, you know, it's got all these, all these uh, new age figures. So it must be, it must be bad. It's the great reset. Yeah. The great reset is, you know, it's all that stuff. And so, so Shriner, you know, sort of comes out swinging against, uh, against Nasara. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and the, the prophecy club folks, Stan Johnson and the prophecy club, he's just a dumb guy who doesn't understand what he's reading half the time. And he, he talks about it as being, being just like like the great currency reset, you know that sort of thing, and and ties it into his Bible prophecy outlook. And his Bible prophecy outlook is different than everybody else's on Earth because he's he's weird. If anybody out there is familiar with the Prophecy Club, you've got my sympathy. Um, that, that is a rabbit hole of stupid. Um, but oh boy, I'm grouchy. But uh, you know, th- so so there's there's all of these things that that go into that go into Nasara that, that it, it, it and by the time we get to today it's connected to things like QAnon there's, there's elements that overlap with with UFO disclosure and um it, it just becomes just a a rat's nest of of confusion and I, I think that was one of the most difficult things about working on this book is that in the age of the internet Everybody with a web page or a Twitter feed or a Facebook page has their own interpretation. What is Nasara? What do people believe Nasara is? Well, there is no one Nasara thing. What is QAnon? What I mean, and especially once the Q drops stop happening, what what is it? It's whatever anybody who sounds like they have some authority says it is, um, and it, it just becomes so so splintered. Well, it's yeah, it's becoming its own religion. I mean, it's becoming it's becoming cult like in and of itself. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the whole JFK Jr. thing. I mean, look what just happened in Dallas back in November. And as far as I know, they're still there. And like we're waiting, we're waiting for the Jonestown movement to happen. Moment to happen. I, I yeah, I would not be surprised if we see something like that. Um, and it, it's going to be one of those things that that probably the major media doesn't really know how to cover um, adequately. And we'll be sitting here saying, Oh my gosh, well, this is, you know, this is QAnon. This is, this this all goes back to that one thing, but it'll be one of those things where they won't be wearing like QAnon t-shirts or anything. It'll be something you will see little code phrases. They'll tell us, Oh, yep. It's evolved into uh, it's evolved into this. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, it's it's coming. So let's talk a little bit about the UFO disclosure movement and why you included it in the book and its hopes and how it's it also plays on this kind of same end times kind of apocalyptic imagery and this utopianism. You spent a lot of time on Dr. Stephen Greer as well. And, and Boylan, who I think is much, much more entertaining than Greer. Hop tub yeah. That's, yeah, that <laughs> hop tub therapy. That's right. Can't go wrong with that. It can't wear your underwear because the detergent will mess up the chemistry in my hot tub. Um, yeah. Wow. I can't believe that line worked. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I would have known that one years ago. We're in the wrong line of work, guys. We really are. We really are. Um, so, so the UFO disclosure thing, um, I should probably just sort of define that because it's, it's such a, a broad, uh, a broad term, but it's it sort of, um, it sort of denotes the, um, the, the belief that the government knows that extraterrestrials are real, that the government is covering this up and that the public acknowledgement or disclosure of the extraterrestrial presence on earth will result in massive positive changes to society um, as opposed to the, the government's not going to tell us anything because you know society will break down or if the government knows something and they tell us you know they're going to tell us that they've made a deal with the evil grays and you know they're selling our souls to the grays or something um the disclosure disclosure advocates believe that that the the end result of a government disclosure of ufo truth will be a sort of ascension of the earth into the brotherhood of planets um especially uh, especially richard boylan um talks you know there's a galactic federation and 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 earth is you know will be part of it once the evil governments acknowledge the truth and he should know because he is our ambassador to the aliens or the aliens ambassador to us he somehow has both jobs which i don't think is a thing but um yeah and and i, I sort of focus on on greer and boylan and then um i talk about michael sala in in kind of the the sort of QAnon connections section because he sort of veered the most off into into QAnon territory but but thematically it fits you know there is a there is a golden age on the horizon if we get our way and the bad guys move aside and let those of us who know the truth and the white hats in government who support us but who are being kept down by the man um you know if if they all get their way um and make things happen it'll be good yeah we talk a little bit about Greer and some of his stuff that he does and just his kind of dis dishonesty and his uh that he says he did this briefing with this like with the cia it's that same kind of like self-appointed authority yeah, and like right i i i love that so so Greer he's an emergency room physician in north carolina he starts off with his with his ce5 events where where you know you shine a light in the sky and you, you summon the aliens and somebody said i think a, a listener said to me once well how do you account for the fact that people did have UFO sightings during these events? I was like, people have UFO sightings all the time. You know, you don't have to pay Stephen Greer $5,000 to go out in the woods. You know, it, in fact, I, I prefer you don't, but you know, it, it, 
Yeah. So he's, you know, kind of UFO summoning events. He had programs that would, you know, help people prepare for life post disclosure. And, and how do we prepare humans for a post disclosure world? And he had connections in government. He said he um, basically knew somebody who knew somebody um, who knew Web Hubble, who was, if you're old as me, you remember Whitewater, um, Web Hubble, one of these. Arkansas lawyers who comes to the White House with Clinton and and all of that. And uh, basically through all of this, Greer claims he he briefed, he briefed the director of the CIA, James Woolsey. Um, he also met with Lawrence Rockefeller. Um, oh my gosh, the Rockefeller family knows about UFOs. No, Lawrence Rockefeller likes flying saucers. That that that's about as far as it goes. Um, which is fine. Uh, so he has a briefing at a dinner party in December of 1993. He says, I briefed the director of the CIA. No, no, you, you talked about flying saucers at a <laughs> dinner party. That is not the same thing that, that the CIA director was at. And um, this, this gets out into the news and people start talking about it to the point where Woolsey and uh, his friend John Peterson, who were at the dinner party, issue a statement or, or mail Greer a letter saying, would you please stop telling people this was some kind of briefing? Um, I had the quote here. You portray this dinner party conversation during which the four of us listen to your views and politely ask questions as a briefing with a cover story. Um, none of this is accurate. You have portrayed politeness as acquiescence and questions as affirmations. Your conduct in this matter contravenes both accuracy and simple manners, um, which, which is Oof. which is hilarious. Um, and then then Greer, you know, responds and um, you talk about good manners. Good manners would be telling us about the flying saucers. Basically, it's like you're an idiot. Um, and, and so, and so the thing is, because Woolsey denied it officially. Greer is able to say, this is part of the UFO cover. <laughs> oh, of course. This is what we're fighting. This is what we're up against. You know, basically, Woolsey's gaslighting us. You know, I briefed him, and now he's issuing statements that it was just a dinner party. Yeah, because all top secret briefings involve the people's wives showing up. Um, yeah, it, it's... Yeah. Um, so so that, that was fun. And then... Um, and, and then, you know, he, he continues with this and he Greer's sort of empire expands dramatically. He's doing documentaries, the, uh, the Atacama thing with the little, the little basically genetically, you know, premature deformed human, you know, this is an alien has alien DNA. We have to get it tested. He did a whole documentary about that. Mm -hmm. turns out, no, it's human. Um, and you're desecrating human remains and, you know, please stop. Um, so, so Greer is sort of, um, it's, it's weird. He was the really big name for a long time. He did this uh, briefing at the National Press Club um, where, you know, and the thing is, here's the thing. Anybody can do a briefing at the National Press Club. It's just a place you rent a room at. Uh, you guys could probably run Conspira Normal at the National Press Club. I don't recommend it because I like going and I don't want to go to D.C. But, you know, it, it's, it's 
Richard Hoagland would do things to the National Press Club too, and it had had about the same amount of authority. So he, you know, had has these witnesses come up mm. and testify, and there's these briefing documents, and it's called. It might be a good way to to promote the new Strange Realities Conference. <laughs> The national, a, a live briefing on the otherworldly from the National Press Club. Um, the truth about goblins from the National Press Club. Um, we could have Tim Banal just like do, testify. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would pay American dollars to see that. That, that, would, that, that would be, that would be outstanding. Um, so, so Greer does this disclosure briefing, launches the disclosure project. Really, is the one who who sort of makes the disclosure word synonymous with this mindset. He, he really is kind of the, the, the granddaddy of all this. And, and the reason why we need disclosure is because, much like with Nasara, there is technology and science and medicine available that will help us all if we, um, if we, uh, if we only have the truth. Um, but sadly, we don't have the truth, and you know people are suffering because of the lies the government is telling but the future is there we just have to um we just have to take it or just have to be given it by the overlords and the white hats are no longer getting the job done yeah then we got you know like you, you talk about michael sala and how that's being combined with QAnon. oh my gosh michael sala i i, I just need to mention this michael my, my probably my favorite jaw drop droppingest wtf moment in all of this was Michael Sala interpreting some numbers in a Q drop as corresponding to numbers in the IS corresponding to digits in ISBN numbers of UFO books. You know, there's only 10 digits, pal. You know, they're, they're going to show up in a certain order just because these three were in the ISBN of a UFO book. Yeah. Could it be that, Q, a government insider, and if he does have the clearance claimed, he would have knowledge of the UFO question. So it's just all supposition. And mm-hmm. he goes from, it may be interesting if this Q figure is a high up government official, to a couple months later, Q, a high ranking government official. He just sort of like segues almost seamlessly from, um, well, this might possibly be something to, this is absolutely a thing. Um, and he interprets these different Q drops in his peculiarly, peculiarly um, UFO disclosure related way, or sorry, sorry, exopolitics uh, related way. It's um, it's it's deeply uh, deeply uh, troubling to see that level of overlap. Not surprising, but troubling. Yeah, it's just another infiltration of something else it's just another yeah like you said it's just another overlap and the ufo disclosure movement is still very very strong i mean they're just i draw parallels between the ufo disclosure movement and just like the 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 kind of evangelical christian prophecy community it's always going to happen it's always is always coming and it never does and the latest stuff i guess is lou elizondo i guess yeah and and that stuff Man, I'd never thought I would say this, but it's so boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, it's, it's, I will take Greer and Boylan and Sala over the Elizondo crowd any day because what's the big massive revelation? The government has said something. 
even the government that lies all the time, the government that, that you follow just say lies all the time about everything. You believe right. it now because somebody saw a Tic Tac or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was head of this office. Well, he can't confirm he was head of it, but he worked for it. Well, we can't confirm he worked for it, but he was associated with it. And it's, it's the grift, right? How much money is he bringing in for you know, things we can't really confirm in any deep way? And I mean, you know, props to him if he's, you know, making a buck off, off gullible saucer people. I mean, that's, that's the tradition, right? I mean, that that's, that's what yeah. you do. Um, but, but the idea that, that now there's going to be an office in the Pentagon that will be looking at these things. I'm sorry. I, it's not groundbreaking that the military is paying attention to what's in the skies. It's not news. Um, and nobody said this is, or when they say this is beyond our current capabilities, well, it's beyond the current capabilities, maybe of things you acknowledge having. Right. You know, it, it's, yeah. And, and the, but, but, you know, if you look at Twitter, if you look at the UFO Twitter hashtag, it is full of people who are treating this as almost a, a transcendent moment that, that this is this is when humanity finally grows up thank you lou um for for bringing us the truth and it's like really this is this isn't uh it's the same well, thing over and over yeah i mean how is that what they're doing any different from blue book which lasted for 20 years right i mean yeah there was a two decades long official government investigation of ufo sightings it's like and it led to nothing. Well, the stuff gets a little offensive, too, because we're used to these UFO grifters. But then when it's our government and our taxes doing it, we're like, hey, hold up. Like, right. Wait, if it's all these hucksters, who gives a shit? But like, no, like, yeah, it's like, come on. You know, aren't, aren't there like schools to fund or something? You know, yeah, it, it, it's can we send more than four COVID tests to each address? You know, <laughs> maybe five for people who might have more than four people in their household. Um, yeah. So yeah, but, uh, but the disclosure thing, it's, it's full of, it's full of interesting characters. Mm-hmm. Well, and beyond the technology stuff, there is like with, with Boylan, there's this spiritual evolution kind of new age aspect that, by keeping the Space Brothers from us, you know, they're stopping our spiritual evolution. Yeah, our spiritual evolution, our intellectual evolution, um, our, our mental development and higher consciousness. Um, you know, they're not like – Boylan is much more on the sort of old school contactee yeah. sort of mindset. You know, the aliens aren't like us. They don't care about material acquisition of goods. Um, they don't have the the the, the – racial problems we have or the, the problems with war and things like that. But um, yeah, Boylan is Boylan's a trip, man. He, he, he's just, he's, he's, he's hilarious um, because he, he starts off as, as sort of a run of the mill abduction hypnotist researcher back in the nineties. He was a, he was a psychologist um, and uh, you know, he, had his abductees, he hypnotized, and he was one of the people saying, look, everybody who's saying that the aliens are bad, they're wrong. You know, the aliens are benevolent. They are here to help us. These are these are not abductions. These are close encounter experiences. Um, you know, you're misinterpreting or you're, you're deliberately lying about them. Um, he got into some trouble for uh, 
inappropriate behavior with his clients, uh, including, I mean, there was the whole hot tub thing, um, hot tub therapy, but also, you know, that some of the findings were he's kind of persuaded these mostly women that they had been abducted and dragged them to UFO conventions. And, you know, that's absolutely not therapeutic for, for people who might be suffering from psychological conditions to, to go to a UFO conference and to be sort of, you know, your real problem is that you haven't fully integrated these experiences with the aliens that you've had. You know, it, it's just piling more issues onto them. Um, and so he moves into to UFO stuff full time after uh, after 1995 and he becomes much more focused he can't really do any hypnotism stuff and therapy stuff anymore so he moves into sort of the galactic di- diplomacy realm and you know self-appointed of course yeah well he was appointed before oh. birth by the aliens that's right cuz he's actually an alien soul he's actually right? an alien soul he's a walk-in or whatever um he uh he um he does weird stuff. He talks about the star kids, you know, these, these children with alien souls and how can you tell a star kid it's stuff? Yeah. He's really weird. I hope no one ever let him around children because he's, oh my gosh, no, the, the, the part where he is um, using a dowsing rod sitting in like the Walmart parking lot, sort of dowsing for kids. He also went, he also went to Disneyland to see no Disney world. Oh, he went to, I've got it full up here. He went to, um, trying to find a diverse sample of with his dowsing rod. I think he went to like a, a pretty rough inner city neighborhood, right? He, he went to quote Disney world, a Walmart in a poverty area of yeah. South Sacramento, where there's, there is a substantial mix of ethnicities, uh, area of Sacramento notorious for violent crime, hard drugs, trafficking and gang drive by shootings. Um, and he, <laughs> He used dowsing rods. I assume that's not a euphemism to detect the star kids. He um, also, I think the creepiest thing is when he's talking about the spirit sexuality that star kids exhibit. Yeah. And he's watching these nude teenagers playing beach volleyball. And, you know, while he was nude also, and he was pretty sure that, that, you know, being comfortable with nudity is one of the signs they're a star kid. And I'm just like, you know, it's like, ah, this is grooming. This is like one yeah. step before, you know, Chris Hansen asks you to have a seat in the corner. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's just, it just comes across as, as really, I'm not saying he ever did anything like that, but boy, if, if, if you're a cynical person reading, this gives you a pretty poor impression of, of Richard Boylan's, um, hobbies. Um, I will say too the the quizzes are excellent. Yes, I did. I did rank very high. Oh, as a star seed. So you're a star seed. That's 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 outstanding. One of ninety something percent of my generation, I guess, according to him too. So yeah, well, you know, you young people are um, you're the future. Uh, me, I, I'm I'm no star seed because um, I lights don't turn off when I walk in a room or, or blow up and. And I, I, I've never been told I, I have an old soul. I've been told I need to grow up. Um, so I, I don't. I don't think I'm. A, I'm a star seed. But yeah, the the UFO disclosure stuff is um, really sort of outstandingly sort of variable. Um, it's everything from from just the the sort of hardcore the government's covering stuff up to to Richard Boylan playing you know cosplaying as an alien ambassador it's just all kinds of stuff yeah yeah i mean that 
that idea of cosplaying and alternate reality games, infinite games. I mean, that's, that's really what people are adopting with a lot of this stuff. It's, it's really becomes a part of their identity and it's a, it's like a lifestyle. It, it really is. Um, it, it becomes who they are. And if you talk to them, that's, you know, what's their personality, their personality is they're one of those UFO people, one of those disclosure people. Um, it's not an interest they have uh, like maybe ufology fans of the past. I mean, there've always been obsessive types, but when you stake your entire future as the human species on this being true, um, it tends to become kind of an obsessive thing. Well, Aaron, this has been excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm, this, as I said, was an excellent book. Can you tell people where to find the book and also where they can find uh, your two great podcasts? Okay, the book um, actually the uh, the easiest place to get it is uh, is on Amazon. I I think this one is relatively reasonably priced. So um, I want people to know I had nothing to do with the price, um, nothing to do with me whatsoever. So, um, but uh, compared to one of my books that only came out in a version that was eighty dollars, I, I like this one a lot. Was that the one about the uh, the the old like educational films? Was, uh, well, that one wasn't cheap either, but uh, the $80 one was um, by the same publisher. It was about uh, conspiratorial and paranormal science fiction TV, okay. which it's a good book. I, I like it. It's just like only eight people have ever read it. So, um, And one of those is Banal, who I gave a copy to because my luggage was overweight when we were in Canada. <laughs> I just like, here, Benal, take this book. I got to get my luggage under 20 pounds or <laughs> something like that. So, um, so yeah, so Amazon is uh, the best place to find, uh, to find that. Although anywhere you find books, um, you can get it. You can get it also from, um, uh, from the publisher, um, McFarland. Uh, so you can get it from them, but, uh, and it, it's pretty much the same price, uh, the same price everywhere. Uh, you can find me at uh, saucerlife.com and greatlakeslore.com the uh, the two podcasts i have and i'm on twitter at uh, at saucer life as well and you can find those podcasts anywhere you can find podcasts and in about a week and a half uh, two weeks we're going to be launching the chizo media patreon we're actually doing the patreon thing Ooh. so um we'll see how that goes but i've got some um sam and i've got some fun things planned between the two shows that we're going to be offering and uh, things that might be too goofy for people who aren't um, <laughs> paying customers. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Should be fun. Um, new ways to interact with y'all. And uh, yeah. Are we, are we going to hear more from the saucer wife on, on saucer life? The, the saucer wife is, uh, is insisting she be Patreon exclusive. Um, okay. <laughs> she, she, she's not. Um, so uh uh, but yeah, she'll be she'll be on there and she'll be on the regular show too. Um, sparingly, she uh, she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to. I'm, I'm I'm an attraction. I, I'm not like I can't let people get too used to me. I'm just too much for them to handle. It's like, yes, dear, <laughs> I, I I understand that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's where I am. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, uh, thank you. In in closing here, Aaron's going to st stick with us. We're going to do a uh, we're going to do a little Patreon section about some of the saucer life stuff, but uh, we're going to close out the show. I do want to say, guys, that uh, this it should be out by the time this episode is out. Uh, Penny Royal season two is out, and episode two episode two features 
Moi. That's right. Your and so Serfiel co-host. Yeah, Serfiel is going to be in that episode, and you can tell just a little bit about what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I'm waxing poetic a little bit about uh, Mr. James Shelby Downard and the mythos and characters associated with him, uh, and got some uh, alongside some uh, very interesting people who I look up to a whole lot who are. Uh, yep. The uh, some of the leading experts on James Shelby Downard lore. So uh, thanks to Nathan and the Penny Royal guys for including me on that. And uh, it's it's uh, it's quite the episode. Can't wait till it comes out and everyone else gets to hear it. Yeah, we'll be uh, having them on here in two episodes from now. But next week we are going to be starting our own monthly episodes about conspiracy theory and about the history of conspiracy theory, and we're calling that. Uh, working title right now. We're not working quite title. sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But well, stay tuned for that, guys. Stay That's going to be the next episode. And episode 400 is coming up as well. And uh, we're going to do something special for that, too. So stay tuned for all that. And Patreon, of course, is available. So Surfiel can tell you where to find that. Patreon.com slash Conspiranormal. You can join the International Association of Conspiranormalists and catch one of these weekly Patreon episodes like we are about to do with Aaron. Uh, for $10 a month, you will get uh, admission into our Strange Realities uh, online speaker series that we're about to start ha- having in February. Mm-hmm. Featuring uh, Kiki Dombrowski for featuring the Featuring Kiki Dombrowski, and that is going to be available to the public as well. But that $10 subscription will get you in the door of all those. And for the $20 and up, uh, you can join the ancient circle of strange realities of, of which I have heard rumor that Aaron Golius himself here became a member of and was initiated into those ancient mysteries of the circle of strange realities at the strange realities. Uh, my life has never been the same. <laughs> so you guys can join in that illustrious illumination as well over at patreon.com slash All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we will be back next week, as always, on Conspiranormal. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.